Welcome to Make It Happen. My name is Tom Dalton. Each episode will have an inspiring guest tell their story of overcoming obstacles, never settling, and making it happen. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and review. So grab a coffee. Hope you enjoy the pod. Let's go. Okay, so welcome to Making It Happen. Uh, my name is Tom Dalton. I'm delighted to say we are on episode number 47. Um, my next guest has competed as one of Ireland's strongest men for 12 years. In 2018, he founded his biggest strength to date, and he started talking openly about his battles with depression. After a local TV interview, Chris released his story that can help and really make a difference. He founded Bear Strong, a mental health and LGBTQ awareness brand named after his documentary, Bear Strong, which went viral in 2019. Chris now travels the worldwide connecting with so many people. His story is raw, open and deep. However, his survival is inspiring and brings hope and belief to so many people. Chris McNaughton, welcome to the podcast. All right, well, thank you very much for bringing me on. No worries. Did I get that pronunciation right? Yeah, it's better than a lot of people anyway. <laughs> better than a lot of people, brilliant. So Chris, as we do with many of the guests, if we just talk about childhood growing up, what was that like for you or where did that begin? Um, my, my childhood was I had a really good childhood growing up. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of very lucky in that way. Um, I had great parents, um, great family set up. Um, you know, just like, like every family, you know, a couple of fucking bits and pieces going on in it like you know but like really and truly as a whole like you know it was a really good upbringing um when it came to family anyway I suppose when it came to school and stuff like that there you know it was a different story um well I was born I was born 11 pounds and I never stopped growing and um obviously being in primary school and secondary school and stuff like that there um being overweight being so big um He's just a huge target in your back. So I experienced sort of all that from like a really, really young age. Um, well, I can remember from when I was like maybe seven or eight going up, you know, sort of all the bullying of being overweight. Um, but apart from that, I was lucky I had the rugby world as a kid. Um, was It was always very, very strange for me that um, on a Tuesday and a Thursday night and on a Saturday, I was away playing rugby and I really felt that I was, um, you know, sort of like really well known, very popular, you know, was a great rugby player, really fit it in really well. And then Monday to Friday at school during the week was the total opposite of that, where I was like a nobody, um, very unpopular, uh, but pissed taken out of me quite a lot and was... Uh, was bullied quite a lot, so I had like, really two extremes. Um, as a kid growing up, you know, being in one area where you were like really highly thought of, and then another area where you were treated like shit all the time. So it was um, a bit of a mix that way. But I suppose a lot of that built up into who I was, who I am, sort of today. You know, where like um, knowing your place and 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 knowing where you you belong and how you can thrive where you belong, uh, where when you're in an environment where you, you, you're, that's not your place, that's not where you belong, is the total opposite effect. You know, it just brings you down and down and down. Um, 
But family was re- a really good family. We're very, very close family. Um, mom and dad were very, very close with both my parents growing up, uh, very close with my dad. Um, dad worked a lot when I grew up, uh, retired quite early. So we got to enjoy probably the last 15 years I've been retired. So got to enjoy more time together sort of later on um, in my life rather than when I was young, young. When I was younger, it was just weekends and stuff like that. But all my weekends and all my free time and all my dad's free time was always spent with the two of us together. Um, we sort of really grew up as best mates type of thing. Um, but all, all in all, like I have to say, like you know, I was I've, I've had a good upbringing, a good childhood. Um, challenging at times, but you know, it's easy to when you when you look back now. It's easy to look back and be like, really eat it to who you are today, and helped you through a lot of things today. You know, and helped me have a, you know, I, I noticed that today, one of the things I struggle a lot with as a coach is laziness. I can't stand lazy people being anywhere near me or people who don't put effort in, who, who, people who don't, um, I, I don't care what anybody's capabilities is as long as they're 100% effort. Um, and anybody who doesn't give that, I just can't stand to be around it. It's something that really gets my back up. Um, and I, that was, I think that was all put into me from a child, you know, from a teenager and, and younger was, you know, I was out playing rugby and I was a big lad and I was, I was, um, I was always a stone from the age until I was about 14 and then that went, went up and up. And, um, you know, I, I just refused to be the slowest or be left behind or not be fit enough to keep up and put my body through I really remember pushing my body really hard at the age of like 10 or 11 years old and up and upwards and never really stopped that. Like never, never ever, if we were sent to do five laps of a pitch, would I have quit, even though it was killing me, you know, I'd never have quit it. So it put a great, what would you call it, work mentality into me from a kid being involved in sport. Um, and I, when, I, when I don't get that and other people around me, it's um it's definitely a thing that I can't stand. It really aggravates me and annoys me. As I say, I don't care what anybody's abilities are. I don't care if if somebody was was able to run a mile or run a hundred meters. I don't care as long as like I see people giving effort. It's the the non-effort and laziness. I just I, I really gets my back up, and I think that came from when I was a kid. Yeah, and Chris, when you mentioned the bullying now. It has your perspective changed? I'm just conscious of someone's listening to this and maybe they're a parent or they have a child in a school and maybe they're getting bullied. What's your perspective on that? Like, is the bully coming from a place of like hurt themselves and they have to take it out on someone else or just your thoughts? I think it's a catch-22 with the bullying thing. Um, if you want to be a normal person, if you just want to, if you want to avoid getting bullied and you want to avoid later on in life having haters and negative people around you, well, the only thing you could do is just be as normal as you possibly can. Just somebody who blends in in the room and doesn't stand out or doesn't different or, you know, doesn't have a, a subject that they can be picked on about. That's the only way you'll survive is just by being the most normal, simplest born of people. Um, and then you won't get bullied and you won't get haters. So, in a way, as horrible a thing as bullying is to go through, in a way, you have to look at it as, you know, you are get, 
people only get bullied through a uniqueness or a difference. And it's it's always, you know, it's always put on that, that people believe that they're getting bullied because of themselves and there's something wrong with themselves. And it's never, ever the case, you know, because people only bully through insecurity. And, like, when I look back at everybody who bullied me when I was younger, um, you know, I was a big lad and everybody who's bullying me were, were we lads, we lads who definitely looking at them back then, they had growth problems. They had like, you know, they weren't developing as well. They weren't, you know, common men. They were still wee boys. And it was them with the name calling. It was them with the bullying and stuff like that. It wasn't anybody who was like bigger than me or anything like that there. And I look back and I could see the psychology there and I could see the insecurities in them. Um, you know, I, I've seen people getting bullied. You know, obviously when you talk about stuff like this, it brings up conversation. And I've seen, I've heard stories of people getting bullied for, you know, um, you know, guys, guys sharing their stories of what they got bullied by, and it was stuff like um, being too ripped and being too good a shape and having six packs, being more well endowed than everybody else. You know. All these things, it's just ringing alarm bells all the time. It's insecurity, insecurity, insecurity. Um, so, like, I think if anybody is struggling with being bullied or uh, knows somebody that is at a young age struggle with being bullied, the only thing I can say to help you get through it is that it's going to put you in a much better path in the future, even though it's shit going through it now. It is going to put you in a much better path in the future than what it would be to, to live just a normal life and to get by without being in that position. You know, like, I look at all the people who i seen bullying and was a part of bullying growing up, and they're nobodies now. Like, and I'm not disrespecting them, but I look at their lives and I'm like, thank God I'm not like that. You know, it's it's very simple, basic, boring, unachieved lives. Um, and I suppose that gives me great sort of pride or great... Um, you know, justification that yeah, I look at my life and what it is now and I look at theirs and be like, well, Jesus, who came out on top there? You know what I mean? But yeah, bullying, bullying comes from insecurity, hand down, no doubt about it. Um, day and night, when you look in the psychology of it and you, you study people who act out in that way, you could just read them like a book. You know, well, I can now anyway because of years of sort of studying it. Um, it's just so obvious why people act that way. And Chris, so you mentioned uh, rugby. Was that a career path or were you thinking to get into it professionally or what was, I suppose, next step was college or what was that looking like for you? I was I was mad into rugby. Like rugby was just my, it's a huge passion for me. Um, and I, I just got really sick and tired and scunnered of the rugby world. Um, you know, when, whenever, like I... I, I I believe and I know that I was at that age um, the best at my position in Ulster. Um, and, you know, I I have no problems with being beaten in life when I look at somebody and be like, you know, when you know when somebody's better than you, it's as simple as that. You know, I've had people beat me in strongman and it's just been like, God, they were in better shape than me this year. Do you know what I mean? And you just, that's no issues, that's no problems. I can take that in the chin, congratulate somebody and go back and work harder. But, there's nothing worse in life when you look at somebody and you know you're better than them um, and they get given uh, chances and they get given opportunities based purely on what, sec what secondary school they went to, 
who their fathers are, how much money's in their family. And there's so much of that in the rugby world. And anybody's in the rugby world, you know, that I've talked to about it, totally agree. Um, I think things are maybe finally changing now, like, you know, but it doesn't seem to be that big a change. But, you know, it was really sickening me big time that, you know, I was going to trials and I was being asked what school I went to. And I was like, why does that matter? Um, you know, people were asking questions about who you, who your family was and what your family does and stuff. And I'm like, why does it matter? You're here to judge me as a rugby player. You're not here. What does it matter who my family is or what does it matter what school I go to and stuff like that? And I, I refused to tell them the school that I went to and I ended up in this arguments that I had to give this information. Um, and when it was so enforced, I had to give that information. I was like, well, obviously, if you're really wanting me to, you know, give this information across, this this information has something to do with the result at the end of the day. So, yeah, the, the rugby world was really starting to sicken me in that way. And um, I sort of started looking at in the strongman. And I think the biggest thing that appealed me with strongman was that when you go out on the day, the strongest man will always win, no matter what. You know, it's not a somebody's opinion on you that you get um, chances and you get wins and you get titles. You get your wins, your titles, your trophies, the opportunities through your results and who lifts the most weight and who's the strongest person. So that was hugely appealing to me, the sport of strongman. For that reason, it was like if I go out on the day and I'm the strongest man, I win. End of, you know, no ifs and qualms about it. Um, and it was a sport that just, you know, I was just so naturally strong. And I started looking into strongman when I was about 19. I hadn't even lifted a weight or been in the gym. It was just natural sort of strength that I had from rugby and stuff like that and probably labouring growing up and stuff. So I found it a hugely interesting sport to get into and to sort of head off to. And I just decided then that I didn't have a passion for rugby anymore. You know, it was a, I wasn't enjoying playing at the weekends and stuff like that. It just all left me by that stage. And Chris, if if there's anyone listening and they're a novice and they don't know what Strongman is, would you just give us a, like a short synopsis or overview of what Strongman is? Well, when I first started Strongman 12 years ago, um, thir- nearly thir- no, actually 13 years ago, um, Strongman was, was not as well known as it is today and you were really considered a freak for doing the shows like you know it was um, people used to ask you know it used to be when you were talking about it and saying you did Strongman people were like what, that stuff that was on TV you know and name a few of the big names that they had seen on TV and stuff um, and that was really it and now it's just such I don't know if, like it's just such a popular in-house show now like you know the, I think the first first competition I did um, there was like 50 people watching the last competition I did there was 8,000 people wow. you know what I mean it's just gone like incredibly just grown so so much so but strongman is a as an overall test of strength um, um, not so much fitness but endurance um, you t- definitely have to be fit to be a strongman don't get me wrong but it focuses more on the strength uh, and the endurance side of things. And they sort of use different objects that rather than just using weights and bars, they try to use objects that people can relate to, like, you know, 
instead of just deadlifting a bar, we do car deadlifts. We lift a car, you pull a lorry, um, you lift big stones or something that, you know, big wooden logs. People look at it and they're like, Jesus, the size of that there, you know. The general public can look at it and find it more intriguing rather than just barbells because barbells and weight plates, the only people who really can relate to that are gym goers and stuff, do you know what I mean? So I think that's why people enjoy strongman so much is because it's, um, you know, it, it's such a spectacle of strength, but it's put across in a way that people can understand it a wee bit more, you know, relate to it. And Chris, how, like, the 12 years as a whole, that's a massive amount of time. Did you love every minute? Was it a great community? Talk to us a little bit about that. Um, as, as a whole, you know, the community is, is brilliant and strong, man. Like, it's like everything. There's knobheads everywhere in life. Yeah. You know, no matter what sport you go into, you're always going to come across one or two. As a whole, it is a brilliant community. Um, it's a strange sport, like, you know, like, everybody's meeting up to compete against each other on the weekend and we're all eating together, drinking together, socialising together. Even when the event's happening, it's very rare that in between events you're not having crack and banter and then you go out and you go head to head with each other. You know, it's a, it's a strange sport and whenever you do get together then weekends, it's just like meeting up with friends you haven't seen in months because you only really see each other when the shows are on. Um, you know, it, it, 12, 12 years of it was a long time and I had you know, my mate always jokes that I've retired more times than flipping than anybody else like you know I'm always retiring and stuff and you know there's been a lot of times that strongman scared me as a sport um both health reasons wise and when my popularity grew and grew and I, I wasn't out and open about who I was it was just scared the life out of me you know that um the more well-known I get, the more chances I have of being out it and stuff like that. So I stepped away for about probably two years, three years at, at a time there, um, which was annoying because it was a time that I was doing really well. Um, and I could have went further and further and further, but um, I was really scared that I was going to be sort of out it. And um, so I sort of ran away from the sport quite a bit. Um, but, you know, I have it's it's it give me it's given me such a good life now. Uh, give me a good life when I was in it. Like I loved the traveling. I loved the traveling so much. Um, I like traveling the shows and weekends away. You know, they, I find it quite hard now. But the thought of going away somewhere for a weekend when I'm not competing. Do you know what I mean? And that might sound stupid, but um, I find it hard to justify. Like if I was going to. Manchester, say, or London for a competition. I had a book, you know, maybe three or four days over there, done the competition on one day, spent loads of time, like, going about places, seeing people, meeting people and all. Um, whereas now, the idea of going a couple of days over to Manchester for a weekend, it's just like, what's the point? You know what I mean? I've got so used to doing that with Strongman. Um, but, you know, I, I do... Initially, when I stepped away... I didn't miss it too much. I'm, I, I must admit, I'm missing it terribly now. Do you know what I mean? I do miss competing. Um, but, you know, I stepped away where I'm very fit, very healthy, very able. I still have a, quite a big list of problems that need fixed, surgeries that need done, you know. But I don't want to, I just didn't want to, everybody's like, oh, you're only 32, you know, you're still young. 
yeah, but it's 12 years of strong man. It doesn't matter what age you are. It's still 12 years of strong man. It takes its toll. So I do want to like, I don't know. It's, um, it's very hard to decide what I want to do over the next few years. Um, I think towards the end, my family were very, you know, enough's enough. Seeing me in a lot of pain, seeing me fighting through injuries and stuff. Um, and then they've seen over the past two years how I've rehabilitated them injuries and got back to good health and stuff. So I sort of feel that they would like to see me back competing. I'd like to go back and compete. Um, it's a hard one to know what to do. Um, I was really lucky that I had a sponsor come forward and um, offer me a decent amount of sponsorship to come back and compete. Which is just the courage to do even more to want to do it. So I don't know. We'll have to see what's what's ahead over the next couple of years, I think. But um there's a big part of me would like to go back now. Um now I'm feeling good now, but then after a year's training, I might not feel good, good anymore, you know. Absolutely. And Chris, if if we can jump on to Bear Strong, uh, like where did that come from? Or talk about you opening up, and I suppose letting know people about your background and about yourself. Just talk to us a little bit about that. Um, Bear Strong initially came along where I'd done, to cut a long story short, I'd done a, um, a news interview on TV and off the backlash of that, we had a lot of people contacting us, looking help, looking advice, relating to the story. Just a lot of people that really connected with it. So uh, we, did a, we did a documentary with Roll Motion um, they done a documentary all about the story of my life and we called it Bear Strong because Bear Strong stands for um, burden the Jesus I forget what the bloody logo is now <laughs> it's been that long to bear the burden of others that's that's what Bear Strong actually means is to bear the burden of others so um did the Bear Strong documentary and it sort of went viral all around the world. And um, then it just grew and grew. So started doing loads of talks and seminars on mental health and um, getting invited here and getting invited there. Um, and then when time went by, I started to get very frustrated with um, the mental health awareness. Um where I was at the stage where I was like, we don't need mental health awareness. Everybody keeps talking about need mental health awareness. We don't need mental health awareness. You know, everybody is aware of mental health. Everybody is aware of depression. Everybody is aware of anxiety. What we need is help and support for people. Like I was traveling all around the UK, you know, encouraging people to go forward for help. Then when they were doing it, I was getting a message about a couple of weeks later to say they went in with their GP and they asked them to come back in like a month, see how they felt then. Um, they went to see their GP. GP, one of the guys went to see a GP uh, with suicidal thoughts and they said that it was Friday. There's nothing they'd be able to do to come back on Monday. Wow. Uh, and sent them fucking home. Like this person told the GP they've letters wrote to their family and everything like, um, you know, majority of people just give them medication. The medication screwed their heads up even more. Um, so I was a, I was at a loss for it. 
I really was at a loss for it where I was just like, what's the point of doing this? Do you know what I mean? This is the most pointless thing now. You know, it's like leading, 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 leading a herd of cattle to a lake and there's no water in it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's just, what is the point? So I, I'm never going to be in a position where I can push things in government or anything like that there. But I'm not long now putting politicians and councillors in their place where they, you know, when they do a mental health awareness post on Facebook, I'm not long in saying to them that, all right, fair enough for doing this post, but why don't you actually do something worthwhile in your position instead of just sharing a Facebook post for a few likes? But, um, you know, I, I try to tackle a different... I try to tackle it in a different way now. Um, you know, I believe that I have sort of conquered my mental health through what I've done by myself, not what I've done through support. So I try to teach that to people now. Um show people that, you know, I'd always encourage people to go forward for help. Don't get me wrong, I always will. But it just seems to be it's never there and it's never the answer for people. So now I try to show people and tell people what I did and the step steps that I took to better my mental health. It's so much so that I I am now, I, I believe that I've conquered my mental health so well um, and I can keep my mindset so positive that when I am under a lot of stress um, and when I, when I am I do depression comes in when you know I'm under stressful times it's actually physical um, symptoms I get now over over mental symptoms um, just because I've managed to control my mindset that well now and be, be under control of it you know but um, yeah Bear Strong has done a lot of good work it had to be it had to be paused as I say, to rethink it and to see what angle we're going to go down next. Um, but I believe we've done that now. And when we come forward now, you know, it, it is, Bear Strong's always going to be an inspiring story. And that's the thing, that's the main thing about it is yes, it's encouraging people to go forward for help, but it's also inspiring people and saying, look, here's the situation I was once in life. You know, I tried to take my own life. I didn't want to be here. I'd rather have been dead than be gay. Um, I didn't want to live anymore and I've gone from that to where I am now um, living a really good life with good people happily married um, good businesses you know I'm sort of free in life now to do anything I want to do which I never ever was before you know to have that freedom in life is that's, that's quite a, um, a weight off your shoulders thing to be able to live so um, you know that it inspires people a lot that way. And then if we can sort of put tools in there to help people, then then all the better. Yeah. And Chris, just fascinating story. And thank you. So appreciative for your sharing. And I know I'm going to get value on. I can imagine the listeners going to get value from this. Just if we touch on just the mental health aspect, you said help, I think talking and communicating, maybe being open were those two things that helped you and then maybe the physical fitness side? Yeah, I think that um, exercise and focus on the training is a huge thing, like huge, huge thing. Um, one of the biggest things that helped me with mental health was to realise that... I basically got to the stage where I realised that mental health and physical health have the exact same properties. They're not there's not that big a difference in how you treat the both of them. So, for example, um, 
my, my job is a sports therapist. You know, that's why I work at the most. And if somebody comes into me and they've just um, really hurt their back through deadlifting, um, the chances of giving them a tablet and saying, there you are, take that away back out there and start deadlifting again, it's not going to happen. The chances of me, you know, uh, working on them, I can work on them and I can help them and I can aid them to, to, to do, you know, to, to take away a part of the pain. But they're still going to have to go out there and do a training program and work on it and rehab and stretch. Um, you know, and do all these small elements to build their back back up again. Um, it's the same if I was to go back competing and start training again to compete again. Um, I just can't go out tomorrow and start lifting the weights that I need to lift. I need to like sit down and structure things out and plan things out and recover well. Uh, I need to look after my body. I need to feed it full of everything that needs to put all this positive food into it so it has the energy to do what it needs to do. And they actually have to train it and work on it and train it and work on it. Um, and, and that switches over exactly to your mental health. You know, you hit a, you hit a depressive state, you're down, you're, your mood is low, seriously low. Um, you can't just expect to wake up tomorrow and it'll be gone. You know, there is people out there who could aid you and they could help you a bit. But it relies on you and primarily you. So you, you need to start looking and thinking, okay, what what do I need to do? How am I going to lift this back up again? How am I going to get rid of any problems that are there at the moment that are going to cause this to happen again? What things can I do to help bring the mood up bit by bit? And then how am I going to stop it from reoccurring again and happening again? You know, that helped me massively whenever I sat down and I realized that it's the exact same principles. The exact same principles, you know. If I eat, if I eat takeaways, McDonald's and shit for a week, the next my training the next week's gonna be crap. If I sit and I constantly have negative energy around me, if I constantly have negative input around me, like for a full week, by the end of that week, my head's gonna blow. I'm gonna get a total meltdown. You know, everything crosses over very, 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 very similar. Um, so I, I treat both with the same sort of attitude and the same respect. If I'm in an environment. I don't feel it's healthy. I get out of it. If I'm in a, if I'm eating bad food and a bad diet, I'll soon change it around. You know, there's loads of things that got like if I if I get up in the morning, I do my my stretching, my mobility work for my physical benefit. Um, I also get up in the morning and I put YouTube on and I listen to motivational uh, video for for half an hour, forty five minutes. That's my mental benefit. You know. You, you can, if you're somebody, a lot of people, for example, who would come into my gym would say, all my friends just eat what they like and they never put on weight. Like, why, why do I put on weight so easily? That's very similar with depression. Like, all my mates run around and there's nothing that bothers them. Why do I get depressed? You can't look at the whys. You can't look at the, the question as to why this is happening to me and why this goes on in my life. You just need to accept that it's in your bloody life and it's always going to be in your life. Um, it's always going to be a part of your life. So you have two options. Um, if you're somebody who puts weight on really easily, do you ignore it and you just keep eating what you like and not training and you get fatter and fatter and fatter? Or if it's somebody who um, struggles with their mental health, do you just ignore it and you just keep more getting more and more and more depressed? You know, it's, it's the same sort of principles like, and um you just need to own it, take control of it, and start managing it and moving forward. 
Yeah, brilliant. Listen, Chris, fascinating again, and thank you for sharing. Uh, Chris, just one thing I picked up on, on another interview you did, if you don't mind talking about it, was there a pressure or an anxiety opening up to your dad about your sexuality? Yeah, there, there was. Like, um, there, was a, there was pressure around... Whenever doing something like that, if you if you care what the world thinks, you're gonna be you're gonna be fucked from the word go. You know, it's not going to you're not gonna achieve that. You're not gonna make everybody happy. You know, most people when they come out, unless and hopefully people don't take any offense by this, but unless it's really obvious and people already knew and people were in your company who already sort of had a fair idea, um, if you come out, you're you're gonna lose people. I lost a lot of people. Uh, I gained a lot of good people, but I lost a lot of people all my life. Um, but I got to the stage where, like, you know, I I was like, as long as my family and close friends is okay with it, then nobody else matters. Um, so, you know, that's how I've lived my life ever since, to be honest. Like, I don't care what's going on in the world or what's going on in my world or what's been said or done or uh, what, what, I'm, what I'm doing or moving on to next. As long as my family and close friends are okay with it and doesn't bother them, then I just crack on. It's actually quite a refreshing way to live your life. Um, but the, yeah, my, my dad would have been one of the ones that I would have been worried about as to how he was going to take it. Um, and it was totally, um, it's, it's like everything, you know, if, if people. Um, sorry, I just dropped off there, Chris. You back? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're back. Sorry, um, sorry, you just dropped off. You just mentioned your father. Yeah, what stage did I get? <laughs> it's like a waffle. You explained about people leaving in your life and and yeah. making new people in your life, and then you just mentioned about your father there being a, like a, a pressure about your dad's thoughts. You there? You back, Chris? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, the joys of technology. <laughs> um. So yeah, you just start. You just mentioned about opening up to your father, and I think you're finishing off your point anyway. Yeah, as I say, the most important thing to me was the the family and close friends, and how they they felt about things. So opening up to my dad was was a big one, and you know, a lot of people go into that situation um, when they're they're coming out and they expect you know, some type of a party, you know, to happen because they've came out and it's like, it's quite a selfish way to look at it. Um, maybe I was guilty of that at the time too. But, you know, when I came out, it was a big surprise to everybody. You know, uh, 
I think only like two people knew about it. Um, and it was, it was a surprise to everyone, you know, and it, it has just changed um, how everybody close to me sort of, you know, thought they knew me or, you know, sort of thought into my future and what the image for me to have and stuff like that. So it's a huge thing for people to get their head around, you know, and I think a lot of people when they come out, you know, they, they expect too big a thing from people, like, you know. Um, and my family sort of just processed it and thought about it and and then they were all very, very supportive and all have been very supportive since. Um, but I think there's a huge, you know, uh, there's a huge um, job there for anybody that's coming out when they don't have parents that, um, I think most people my age don't have parents who've been within the, the gay community or, or involved with it or know much about it. You have a huge job there to start educating people who've never been educated before in life. Um, you know, if, if if anybody ever watched the the the, docu the documentary "It's a Sin" on Channel Four, you know that 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 showed what people of my parents' generation and before that showed the only education they ever got with gay people was what the media was putting across. That's all they've ever known. They've never seen anything else. Yes, they've seen gay people on the TV and stuff like that, centers and stuff like that. They never had an actual education. They've just been given negativity through the media and through the press. So how can how can anybody expect their parents to be, you know, not worried and, and not scared for you until you actually sit back and you start to educate them? Um, and the more and more that I have shown them the LGBT world and shown them my life and educated them about my life, then the more and more settled that they have become with it and they're not scared for me anymore. Do you know what I mean? Um, you know, they, they know that I'm okay. They, they know I'm doing well in life and they know that I'm happy and they couldn't be happier, like, you know. Yeah. But at the start, like, you know, I, I was asked before, you know, like, you know, what if when I have children, if, if, my, if my children were ever gay, um, you know, how I would feel about it and, People just think that that's an automated, like, yeah, of course, it would be fine. But I, I always, what I, of course, you're always, you know, I'm going to be supportive of it and, and help them. And I'm not, of course, I'm not going to have a problem with it. But I'd be massively scared for them, like massively scared. And like, just, just like scared they're going to have to go through all the stuff that I went through and they're going to have to hear all the stuff that I went through. When, when really, you know, if they weren't, they weren't gay it could have been avoided do you know what i mean it's it's not a matter of like not wishing your children to be gay or bi or, or lesbian or whatever or trans it's just that knowledge of all the shit they're going to have to go through you know and i, I don't believe that in a lot of cases with, with parents it's, it's it's not homophobia it's not transphobia or anything like that there it's just absolute fear of what their their kids are going to have to go through here you know, and we need to need to be a bit more sympathetic and understand about that there rather than you see it all the time and social media, I've seen it in the Times and interviews and all people giving off that when they came out to their parents that they didn't get the reception that they had hoped for and stuff like that. And it's just like, well, calm your jets. Like, what are they like now? Yeah, they're all right now. But when I came out, they weren't. Well, you just told them a pretty big bloody thing and 
the other thing about it is you've just told them for a lot of your life you've been lying to them about who you are as well. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of aspects there. It's a massive wow in the face of your, of your parents. So, yeah, like just if you're coming out to your parents, just be open, be honest, tell them what the score is and tell them if they ever need to know anything or talk about them, just they ask you about it and then give them time to let them come, you know, not, not come to terms with it. It sounds like that's the wrong thing, but just understand it and get their head around it and then they'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Grace, I'm conscious of your, your time. Um, I want to fire some quick-fire questions, I suppose. I, I shoot at all our guests. Um, when I mention the word regrets, do you, like, do you have regrets? Do you process regrets? Or what are your thoughts on regrets? Um, I have a lot of regrets whenever my mental health was in that space. Um, anxiety stopped me from doing a lot of things, like a lot of things. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold any regrets now because one of my number one rules now is um, never regret not doing something. Do you know what I mean? And if I did something tomorrow and it was shit, I wouldn't regret it because I'm just glad that I did it and didn't talk myself out of it. So I'd rather, um, rather do something and not enjoy it. Uh, or wish I didn't do it rather than regret not doing it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And Chris, what's the, is there a quote or what's the best piece of advice you've been ever been given? Um, is there anything that stands out? Yeah, probably Stuart Murray years and years ago told me and strong man, but it carries over to life so well as well. To stop trying to beat everybody else and just beat yourself every day. And then before you know it, you'll be beating everybody else. And it's the truest thing, you know, it's stop, stop giving a shit what's going on in other people's lives and what other people think of you. If you can live your life with caring what people think, like truly not caring what people think, you're going to live an awesome bloody life, like an awesome life. Getting that out of people, but it's, it's hard, hard, hard work. Yeah, brilliant. And Chris, what's next for yourself, Bear Strong, your career? Talk to us, what's the future look like? There's a lot of ideas, um, a lot of things in development. Where I'm going to go to next, I don't know. Um, I do want to um, have two ideas to do my own uh, TV series, which I really, really want to do, and hopefully that will come into play at some stage this year. Um, And then regards sports, strongman, I haven't decided yet. Business-wise, there's a lot of stuff going on in business, and I was just keeping that rolling in the background. But, um, yeah, hopefully, I think, I think the big one for me is in the moment is to get on um, presenting my own sort of TV series. Um, it's something I wanted to do for a while, and COVID sort of shit over it a bit, but hopefully it can get back on track again this year. Brilliant, exciting. Uh, last two here. Chris, if you could have a meal with any five people, dead or alive... Who would they be? Uh, Lando Norris. You big F1 fan? Yeah, well, I am a Lando Norris. Uh, Lando Norris, Lewis Hamilton, for different reasons, but um, Lil Nas X, Tom Holland, and who's the fifth? Um, I've got to go Ruby Rose. I've always wanted to see meet Ruby Rose. Brilliant, brilliant. Very interesting five guests there. And last one, uh, Chris, is there any book recommendations or podcasts or stuff that have helped you 
career life-wise that you'd recommend that stand out to you that maybe the listeners might be interested in? Les Brown, like I, I have to, even though I wouldn't listen to much of Les now, I still listen to him probably like every other day. Um, Les Brown's like saved my life, like truly saved my life to a stage where I was doing five, six hours a day listening to Les Brown just to stop myself going into like bad places. Like when I built the gym, um, scary fucking undertaking, like so scary. Um, I had him on an AirPod all day long, constantly all day long, just because I couldn't have anything negative come into my head. Like I had one AirPod in and he was constantly, constantly talking to me, you know, doing doing um, speeches in my ears. Um, so Les Brown is, is an incredible man, like I've truly, truly saved my life. Um, you know he's coming here. Is he? He's coming to Dublin to the Pendulum Summit, so... If, if you're that big a fan, I'd recommend. Oh, I definitely I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, I'll send it on. I'll send you the details. Yeah, on after. Like, eh? I just saw it in the paper there, and I, I'm a big fan of Les Brown myself. Like, yeah. it's it's interesting, and um, you're one of the few people that I've interviewed that I do the same. If there's something that really resonates with me, a video, I'd watch it over and over again because yeah. I do believe you're maybe implanting a subliminal yeah. message in your head. And Les Brown, there's a top 10 video he does. I don't know if you've seen it. And it's one I've watched multiple times. But uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. I'll send you the details on after. Oh, uh, dude, I'll definitely go down to that, like 100%. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but um, lately I've got into, it was actually a friend of mine um, put me in context. God, I can't remember his name, but I know his books. It's called Battle Cry and Cry Like Man. Okay. Um, very different to anything. I've um, listened to before, like very, very different. But like um, initially at the start, I was I wasn't for it, and now like I'm really getting into him. Like he's um, he, he 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 comes across very religious with some stuff. So for me personally, that's very off-putting. But I've learned to like just um, realize that you know there's a connection between what he's saying and, and the verses in the Bible and stuff like that. So I don't take it as holy moly as I was at the start. But like um, he's he's very very good like you know and he's helped my friend through a, a very very dark time recently, um, so whenever he he was like you know check out his book, see what you think on it, um, and uh, I started listening to him like and it's been very very good now. So, so for something fresh, I would recommend that. Like. Brilliant, brilliant. Chris, I just want to say first off, thank you so much for jumping on. Great to hear your story. And um, where can people stay connected with yourself? Um, mostly through Instagram. Like I'd be a bit of an Instagram warrior, like, so the only time really on my socials is, is on Insta. I do get it other places too, but you've Bear Strong McNaughton on Instagram, um, and in www.bearstrong.co.uk or if anybody's interested in coaching or training around like that, um www.mcnaughtoncoaching.co.uk. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, listen, Chris, thanks so much again for your time. And uh, I look forward to seeing your TV show on that uh, when that happens. Hopefully, hopefully, man. Cheers, buddy. Thank you. Cheers, mate.